Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you're among us. And thank you that one of the most amazing realities is that you are a God of revelation. And I thank you that in Jesus you have made known the mysteries of all things. And so this morning I ask, Lord, that you would just help us to see Jesus in all that we're doing as we read the Bible and spend some time together in the Bible. And we ask for that in your name, God. Amen. Hey, folks, uh, this morning is... I firstly want to say thanks to Scott, um, Scott who's down in uh, Melbourne, seeing extended family, and Jerry, who's not here at the moment today, but those two fellas helped do some teaching on some of the big themes of Advent. They talked about hope, and they talked about, and so hope, now look, I don't know if you've got a coin on your mic, or do you have a coin? Anyone got, does anyone carry a coin these days? Oh, you do? Oh, you want it back? All right, no worries. <laughs> tenfold? You want it back tenfold? Yeah, sure. Okay, so on one side of the coin is the head and the other is the tails. All right, got to make your decision right now. Who wants head? Hands up if it's going to be heads, if you hope it's heads. Okay, hands up if you hope it's tails. All right, here we go. It is. Heads. Oh, well, let's, so maybe your hope, the head's hope was stronger than the tail's hope. So let's just try that again. Who wants, who wants heads this time? Hands up. Who wants tails this time? Hands up. Okay, here we go. Nah, Michael gave it to me. It's tails. <laughs> okay, who wants best of three? All right, now we've got to settle this now, haven't we? <laughs> Who wants heads this time? Well, there's more heads this time, okay. Who wants tails this time? Okay, here we go. Truth is, tails. <laughs> now, that, my friends, is called gambling. <laughs> That's kind of like every day when people wake up and they, here you go, Michael, they watch the news and they hope that the price of oil has gone down. So like we wake up every day, is it up or is it down? Is it heads or is it tails? Unfortunately, that's the way we spend a lot of time living our life. But that's not hope. We're not hoping that it'll be heads. We're not hoping that life will give us tails. We're not hoping that God might do something. We're not hoping that by the flip of a coin. Hope is not the flip of a coin. Hope, as we understand hope through the Bible and through the power of God making himself known to each and every one of us, hope is the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus. And so this Advent, um, you know, Scott was doing some good teaching on, and it's on SoundCloud, about that Jesus is our hope. And we're not hoping that he'll somehow pull a magic rabbit out of his hat. We're actually entering into the power and the fullness of who Jesus is as the Son of God and what Jesus has already done and continues to do with the bringing of his kingdom into the earth, 
in, and into the hearts of people. We are basing our lives in a relationship with a person who has all things in his hands and has all things sorted out. It's, that's who we're hoping. That's our hope. It's a relationship with Jesus. Jerry did some good teaching on waiting. You know, this word Advent really means arrival. I'm here. You know, it's like I turn up at, at your door of your house and I say, I'm here. I've arrived. That's the basic sense of the word Advent. And at this time of year in the Christian calendar, we focus on that sense of God has already arrived in Jesus. And we live in the power of all of the blessing of that. And you can read that in Ephesians chapter 1. And at the same time, Jesus, who has now ascended to be with the Father, who is ruling and reigning as king in the heavens and in the earth right now, we are the people who have tasted of that future kingdom and we're saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the fullness of that kingdom to come in all its completeness, where there'll be no more sin, no more pain, every tear will be wiped away and there will be freedom forevermore. We live with expectation of that arrival coming. And depending on circumstances in our lives will often determine the vigour of our prayer for that kingdom to come. Often it's the hard times that informs the vigour of our prayer. But Jesus says whatever season it is in Matthew 5, whatever season it is, that's the prayer that people of Jesus pray. King, bring your kingdom now, even as it is in the heavens right now. Jerry, so Jerry did this great bit of teaching on learning to wait between sometimes we have to wait for the kingdom to come. And it seems like it's a, a delayed reality for our lives. That's part of the Christian experience. It's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and yet that is the nature of it. We have this great sense that God's kingdom has come, and yet we live at a time where we're hungry for the fullness of it to come. That's what we celebrate in Advent. This morning, I just want to ask us a, sp a small question. And that question, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to open it up to Luke chapter 2 or your phone app with your Bible on it, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick up there in verse 1 in a minute. But before we get there, I just want to... Um, I just want to talk about the best uninvited guest that ever turned up in my life. The best uninvited guest who ever turned up in my life. Now, just if you don't know my big backstory, my long story is this. My family lived next door to my now wife, Nicole, her sister and brother-in-law. And so Nick and I, we kind of spotted each other when we were about 17, 18, 19. We'd see each other sort of coming and going next door, but there really wasn't any sort of attraction towards each other. And then on the night of my 21st birthday party that we were having at home, uh, Leanne, Nicole's sister, from next door over the fence before the party began, said, hey, Kirk, do you think it would be all right if Nick came along tonight? Because she's staying at our house and she's got nowhere to go tonight. And I went, 
Oh, that poor girl. <laughs> now I'm allowed to talk it up a little because she's next door, all right? She can tell you her version. But my version is I'm like, oh, that poor girl, sure. And I thought to myself at the time, I thought, yeah, I, yep, she'd be all right. Bring her along. Well, anyway, later on that evening, as Leanne and Ken, my now, um, you know, Nicole's sister and brother-in-law, they turned up at the door with Nick and I don't know what happened, but it was just like the movies. I, all of a sudden, I had a different set of lenses on my eyes. My heart went all crazy gushy, and I was just like, why haven't I seen you before? She was the best uninvited guest in my life 28 years ago. <laughs> she was the best uninvited person to turn up on my doorstep. You know, Advent, as we celebrate and remember the birth of Christ... He is the most and the best uninvited guest into this world. And this wonderful uninvited guest is turning up on doorsteps all over the world today. And he's even turning up on doorsteps in your life today. Uninvited. Not formally invited, but uninvited. Luke chapter 2. Have you got your Bible there? Let's read from verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. When they were, uh, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be cause for great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you, He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heaven's hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. For the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. 
That was written by Luke, who took a historical account of the events of what happened around the birth of Jesus. This morning, as we read that and listen to that, I want us to ask ourselves, is there any room for Jesus? Is there any room for Jesus today in our life? Now, he was the uninvited guest where he turned up, and they had no room for him because he wasn't an expected guest. And so what they did was they said, look, we've got a bit of an animal storehouse out the back there. Sure, stick him out, stay out there. You can stay out there for the night. And it was there in an unplanned, unclean, unpresentable space that God said, here is the best place for my son to begin his kingdom rule in the earth. Is there any room in you, this Advent, for the uninvited Jesus? Or are you busy running around trying to make things all dolled up in the hope that You'll be ready for Jesus. Now, some of us will be, and that's fine. But the point I'm trying to make this morning is Jesus will often stand at the threshold of our life and in our circumstances and just simply ask for some room. This Advent, Jesus is just asking you for some room. When you think about our region that we live here in the Moreton Bay region, You know, Jesus has come and continues to come to our region and asks, is there any room for me? Right now, our country, it's, you know, in the natural, it's on fire. There's a lot of bushfires, classic Australian bushfire taking place burning on mass scale. Is is there any room for Jesus in this? I'm not saying Jesus is the cause of this. Please hear me right. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm asking is, is there any room for Jesus to come and visit people in the midst of these terrible fires? What about in our Aussie culture? Is there any room for God? What about in our church? Is there room for God? Is there room in our daily discipleship with God? What about in your circumstances? What about in your family? What about in your heart today? Where, if at all, can you see any room for Christ to be born king? What part of your life is God arriving at, uninvited, right now, asking, is there room for me there? How do I know if I've got any room in my life for Jesus? Well, why don't you just do a quick mental take? Think about everything that you spend your time on.
Think about everything that you spend your energy on. Think about everything you put your money and resources into. In all of those things, is there any room for God? Let's just take a moment and just have a little consider about actually who it is that's asking for some room. Now, I'm just working from the assumption that Jesus is real because I've met him. I'm also working on the assumption that Jesus is real because of the history of the church that documents that. And I'm also assuming that Jesus is real because Dr. Luke, who was there, saw him and wrote a historical account of his coming. So on the basis of all of that, that I want to ask us, that's who's asking. That's who's asking for some room. You know, the God of the universe. John wrote it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and that Word was with God, and that Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning, and through him everything's been made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light to all human life to all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That's who's asking. When John wrote that in John 1, what he was doing was using some very, very particular words when he said, in the beginning. So what he was doing was saying, hey, if there's any good God people around the place that know anything of the story, the long story of God, when you hear that phrase in the beginning, where does it throw you? It throws you all the way to the beginning, to the very beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1. So John's saying, hey, with the Jesus event, It's the God event. That's who's asking for a little bit of room. John also went on to write these these great words. He says, The word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then he says, And we have seen his glory. So John's putting himself into into the text there in John 1. He's saying, Hey, we're not making something up here. We've seen it. We've seen him. We've seen Jesus, the glory of God, the one and only Son who has come from God the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is it that's inviting and asking for some room? The God who put on flesh and came and made his dwelling among us. I love Psalm 24. It's a great bold statement from King David. It's interesting, isn't it? Luke said, He was born in the line of David. And if you read a little bit earlier, when the angel turned up to Mary, he said to Mary, by the way, the power of the Most High God's going to overshadow you. You're going to become pregnant. As if that wasn't a shocking reality enough, he then went on to say, and by the way, he's going to sit on the throne of David. And again... It's a throwback into the big story of God. Right there, the throne of David was a a strong statement that was saying, God is now going to come through this child and he's going to establish peace in the earth. He's going to provide kingdom provision and health 
and restoration and hope and overcoming the powers of everything that seeks to usurp God's reign in the earth. That's King David. The golden age of God through the story of Israel. That's who's asking for a little bit of room. Just doesn't need a fancy front room. Doesn't even need the guest room. He's happy to come and bring his kingdom into those parts of our lives that we would rather not look at, put all the junk and the discarded and the hopeless and the stuff we're shamed about. Just keep it all out there. That He's happy. He's happy to establish himself right there. He just needs a little bit of room. That's who's asking. This is a really great time of year, Advent, to think again about who's asking to come into our lives. This is a really great time in your disciple journey to remind yourselves and to remind our loved ones and to remind our friends that would actually, if they care to listen, might just find the uninvited guest is standing at the threshold of their life asking to come in. Making room, what would that look like? Paul did this great statement in 2 Corinthians 5 where he said, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Praise God for that. We can breathe again. That that this Christ, the, this birth of this king, as, as you make a little room for him, what he does is he comes and his first port of call is, I'm not holding that sin against you. I'm just washing it all away. Praise God for that. Praise God that we can be reconciled to God and to each other. All because of this this is what happens when we make room for God. He reconciles us through the forgiveness of our sin. There's a bunch of us in here today. You, you know, you get really tired of carrying this, just the weight of sin. Just carrying the weight. Now, sin is, is a moral thing. Sin is moral brokenness. Sin is spiritual brokenness. Sin is relational brokenness. Sin is the fact that we have had a good shot at it, but we've actually missed the point. <laughs> we've missed it altogether. That's the nature of sin. It, hel- it, it makes you look at God. Well, it actually, in trying to find God, sin deviates you away from the truth of who God is. And that's why we needed this uninvited guest to come and knock on our door and say, have you got any room for me? Because... I can see that you're trying to live a good life. I can see that you're trying to be a reasonable human being. I can see that you're into do-goodism and you want to make a difference in the world. I can see all that, but it's burning you up. It's taken all your energy. It's misplaced time and resource. And the reason why you still carry angst and there is no peace, it's because there's sin. And it's taken you away from the fact that it's Jesus who needs to forgive you of your sin. So all of that time, energy and resource can be in partnership with the king himself as he establishes his rule in the earth. 
Wow, we run around doing a lot of do-goodism in the hope that we might sleep better or feel better about ourselves. That's a, that's a, that's a mouse wheel that just doesn't end. That's a mouse wheel that doesn't end. It's relentless. Get off it. That's the good news of the uninvited guest coming to your door today. Saying, come on, get off that. I forgive you of your sin and let me put you on the path to life. And that's the other thing he did. In, in John 10.10 10, it says, I've actually come. What does it make, look like to make room for Jesus? I've actually come that you would have life, a full life, not a half life, not a misspent life, not a disappointed life, but a full life. And a full life is pictured in the person of Jesus himself. Jesus has that for us. The fullness of God's right and intended plans as he reconciles all things to himself through Christ. God says, come on, join me in that and go from what you think fullness is and enter into who I am and experience a full life. Now, a full life is not an uncontested life either. Have you ever noticed that? Hmm. It's not, it's not, you know, let's hop, hop on the, you know, SS, um, you know, cruise kickback ship, is it? It's like, no, we, we get to get on the boat with Jesus, all right. But it's as he's advancing his kingdom and overcoming the words and works of the enemy in the earth. Because the last thing that I want to mention, as you consider about making room for Jesus in your life, this Advent, even more room. What will happen if you do that? Well, 1 John 3.8 says this, the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So it's a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. It's also a very powerful and aggressive thing that we get to be a part of as the kingdom of God advances and pushes forward. Sin, forgiven, life, fullness, overcoming the counterfeit works of darkness that, um, that are destroyed by Jesus and his coming kingdom. So in Jesus, the love revolution has begun. That prophecy that we read out earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Which government? The government of God's kingdom. The gov- let, don't confuse God's kingdom, government, with the governments of the earth. Don't confuse that. Please don't confuse that. God does operate through those governments, but ultimately his kingdom, his rule and reign is above all of those governments. For unto us a child is born and the government of God's rule and reign would be on his shoulders. He'll be called a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there is no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of God will do this. There is this transforming work of God that takes place when we let God have that little bit of room that he's asking for. He's asking, can I, 
can I be the one who has the final say? Can I? That's what he's asking. I just just hang in that space for a minute. He's just asking, can I be the one who has the final say? It's in those spaces that God begins to bring his rule and reign. It's in those places, in our life, in our relationships, in our churches, in our communities, across our country, it's in those spaces where we let God have the final say that the kingdom ferments and the love, the revolutionary nature of God's love ferments and brings new life. How about for you today? Is there any room for Jesus to be king? Is there, is there any room for, for this revolution of love to take place in you again? Like you might have said, I've done that. Well, where are the... Sp-? Like I, I just keep finding a constant daily invitation with the love of God saying, will you let me have the final say, Kirk? Sometimes it takes me a while to come around to a yes. <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm turning up. <laughs> I'm turning up and I'm bringing all of the space of who I am into that moment. And I just want to encourage you to do that today, to <laughs> turn up. What about for you today? Is there any room for King Jesus? A little simple thing maybe just to think about. A simple way to make some room today. Invite him to be the king. He was born king. The government of God would rest on his shoulders. He would rule and reign and does. So we're simply saying, Jesus, I hear you and I see you at the thresholds of my life, and you are the uninvited guest, but there you are. I wasn't seeking you to necessarily to come into this part of my life, but there you are. And I want to invite you to be the king of that part of who I am, and I want to enter into this fullness of life. Invite him to be king, invite him to exchange... Because this is what's going on when we're inviting him to be king. We're inviting him to make this beautiful exchange where we have this great life plan, this great vision of what we think our life, our best life is. You hear that phrase all the time, live your best life. <laughs> I'm discovering <laughs> that Jesus keeps turning up quite uninvited, but I think it's because he loves me. <laughs> he keeps saying, will you let my life live through you? instead of your best life. And I tell you, there's a huge difference in terms of just peace and, and anxiety and all of that. That it, as, you, as you surrender over and let his life be your life, be your best life. Exchange, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. God says, I've come to give you my life.
And the last thing I want to do is, is the last little thing I want to do is ask, invite him, this Advent, invite him to bring the power of his kingdom in you afresh, into those spaces that you've kind of put over there. And as you do, Matthew talks about this in his gospel. He talks about and uses this illustration of a mustard seed in Matthew chapter 13. And he says, I'm not looking for the whole room. I'm just, I'm going to come to you like a mustard seed. And if we've seen those things, they're so small, the size of the head of a pin. So light, if I held my hand up, it would just blow off the top of my hand without the slightest, with the slightest of breeze. And Matthew says, when the kingdom lands in those spaces where we've said, yes, you can be king, it's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of, it's not massive and dramatic. It's not like the shepherds experienced where the heavens pull back and it's like, it's just the smallest of seeds. And if you drop it, you can't even see it with your natural eye. But it lands. But Matthew goes on to say, in Matthew 13, he says, when you invite the kingdom in and it lands like that little mustard seed, that's how it starts. And at first you think you're looking around in that room and you're like, not much has changed. Well, hang on. The kingdom hasn't finished its work. Because Matthew then goes on to say that a few other things happen. I did, the reason why I'm talking about plants is I did a bit of gardening yesterday, some annual gardening. <laughs> <laughs> annual. Nicole was very happy with me. <laughs> I, po- I potted some plants and I did a few things with the dirt. You know, it was really cool. It was good fun. We had a few giggles. But anyway, um, Matthew says that when you plant that thing, it's the smallest of seeds. But, but watch out because if you, if you invite the seed of the king, Jesus to come and just, like a mustard seed, just land in that room that he wants to get into your life with. He goes on to say that that small mustard seed actually grows to become the largest of trees in the garden. If you've seen them, they grow very big. That's the point. That's the nature of the kingdom, the work of God in our life. He starts with these small invitations and then they grow and they grow. And so Jesus begins to own the space more and more. It begins to look more and more like the king's kingdom is ruling and reigning in all of those places and spaces. And the beautiful thing about Matthew 13 is, at the end of that little parable about the kingdom of God, is this. Matthew says, once that tree, as it's growing, says, All of the birds of the air come and find home in the tree. So what happens is the tree then grows to host the presence of others. This is what happens in our life when we let Jesus plant his kingdom in us and in those places of our lives where we've said, well, I'm not so sure, Lord, but he's asking this Advent, I want want to be... I want to put my kingdom at work in there. I want to give you life there. 
and it'll grow. And then the, the redemptive outworking of that is it begins to look more like King Jesus and the way we can tell it looks more like Jesus is because the nature is it begins to host more people to want to be near Jesus. Our lives begin to host the invitation of God. Our lives begin to reach out to make themselves available for others to come and land in and appreciate and enjoy who we have found in Jesus. And we do that through things like, you know, when you're walking down aisle 10 and you see the person with the moon boot on because of an injury of their leg and you go, can I pray for that? Like now? And ask Jesus to bring his kingdom to that. When you see the, you know, the, the, the people just lining up for food week about at the Vineyard Mercy Centre and you're like, I, I've got money, I've got time, I've got resources, this is what King Jesus does, I'm in. I want my life to host the kingdom. And lives are touched, lives are healed, lives are transformed. Our life begins to host the kingdom. How about you this Advent? A little mustard seed, the uninvited king, <laughs> he's just turned up. This Advent, Nick and I, we're praying that for us here at PRV, that we would again be a people who would just say, yes, you get to be king, Jesus, and place the work of your kingdom wherever you want to, in our personal life, in our marriage, in our family life, in our relationships with others, in the life of PRV, and everywhere else that we do life with you, King Jesus. We're saying, yes, you get to be the king, even in the places out back where we've tried to ignore so that those places and spaces would also become a beautiful testimony to the kingdom of God. Let's stand and pray.